0: The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at
1: www.thetabchurch.com. We're going to continue in the book of Joshua today, and we're going to start at chapter 2. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shatem as spies saying go view the land especially jericho and they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was rahab and lodged there it was told to the king of jericho behold men of israel have come here tonight to search out the land and then the king of jericho sent to rahab saying bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the land but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, True, the men came to me, but I don't know where they were from. And the gate was about to be closed at dark. The men went out. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stacks, stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on their way to the Jordan as far as the ford. And the gate shut as soon as the pursuers had gone. Before the men lay down, Rahab came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon all of us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt with you kindly, "'You will also deal kindly with my father's house "'and give me a sure sign that you will save alive "'my father and mother, my brothers and sisters "'and all who belong to them "'and deliver our lives from death.' "'And the men said to her, "'Our lives for yours, even unto death. "'If you do not tell this business of ours, "'then when the Lord gives us this land, "'we will deal kindly and faithfully with you.' "'Then she let them down by a rope through the window.' For her house was built into the city walls, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then, afterward, you may go your way. And the men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, You shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother and your brothers and all of your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood will be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we will be guiltless, With respect to your oath that you have made us swear And she said according to your words so be it Then she sent them away and they departed And she tied the scarlet cord in the window They departed and went into the hills and they remained there three days Until the pursuers returned And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing Then the two men returned and crossed the Jordan. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us.
0: Thanks, Heidi. Good morning, Tabernacle. Welcome. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're about to dive into this epic adventure story in Joshua chapter 2. You picked a great weekend. It's all about faith. We won't overcomplicate it with red ropes and and trying to find threads and different things in the story. For many of us, it's a familiar story. Uh, If it's not familiar to you, that's okay. We'll recap it in a second. But keep in mind, it's all about faith. God is calling our church to great faith, to step out in faith. And that's been our theme these last weeks. If you've been here uh, for more than a minute, you know that by faith, we believe God has called us to plant a campus in Manistee. And I just wanted to give you a quick update before we go there. Um, On Friday, uh, we held a night of worship in the Ramsdale Theater that was packed out, well attended, and by all accounts, it was really, really cool. So there's energy, there's excitement there. Uh, People have been asking me, well, when do we start uh, services there? We're waiting on zoning. Uh, We're trying to do approval. There's permits, you know, uh, I's to dot and T's to cross. This is still the People's Republic of Michigan. All right, I I want to assure you that uh, we will go through all the, you know, bureaucratic mumbo jumbo to make that happen. We want to do it right. So we're working on it, and by God's grace, wouldn't it be awesome if we had a service there before Easter? That would really, really be cool. And just to give you a little bit of the plan, right now, uh, we're planning on holding those services on Sunday nights so we can do it live. And so uh, please keep praying about that. That's where God has been moving us. That's where he's calling us. That's the update. Uh, you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks and months and maybe even some more in the sermon. But God's not just calling us as a church to step out in faith. He's calling us out as individuals. He's always calling us. Right? And maybe not all at the same time, but when God has a plan and he says to move, it's our job to cross the Jordan. It's our job to step out of the uh, boat, so to speak, and to walk on water. Uh, several years ago, Matt and Iris Luce moved here from Knoxville, Tennessee, because they believed God was calling them to the tabernacle. In fact, I was thinking about that right before uh, I came out here. I tried long and hard to talk them out of it, right? <laughs> no, there's all this snow. Don't leave Tennessee. What are you doing, right? Uh, but, uh, but they listened to God instead of me and God brought them here. And so for the last several years, Matt has served as our director of outreach and development, overseeing missions and the food pantry and community meals wild game dinner, things that, uh, we're trying to reach out into our community, different partnerships with freedom builders, etc. But God probably used Matt most profoundly in that when he came here, we didn't know he was a grant writer and we were in the process of trying to get the grant and, uh, God used Matt to help write that grant. And uh, uh, that provided the bulk of the money that, that means we're sitting here today. And do you know it was a year ago today was our first Sunday in this building? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So anyways, God's been calling Matt and Iris to step out and help others with that. Ministries and missions and, 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 and uh, those visions that are happening overseas specifically. And so uh, uh, there will be transitioning, if you got the tab inside or you heard this, they'll be transitioning off of our staff to step out in faith, and they're starting a brand new ministry. They're going to continue to be a part of our church. Uh, they're going to continue to be partners with us, but God's calling them out. Uh, they're starting what's, what they're calling the Beehive Collective. And it's a ministry that's going to help empower missionaries and ministries to accomplish their mission and vision. Uh, You can follow the link on the Insider that we sent. If you didn't get the Insider, it's because you haven't filled out a card yet and shared your email address with us. Uh, Or we couldn't read your writing maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, So we encourage you to do that. Or you can Google it, you can check them out. Uh, But we're excited about that faith step. So God calls the church and God calls individuals. And we get excited. This is not the first time someone from within our church says, God's placed a vision on my heart to do something. And to step out in faith and do this. And we say, yes, we're behind it. Uh, But we do uh, want to ask Matt. Matt, would you stand? Because we want to thank God for your work and your ministry here. This is a big deal. I don't know if you're selling Beehive Collective shirts, but I'd like one. All right. We'll talk about the size. It depends on if it's pre or post Thanksgiving. So... uh, but we are talking about faith. It's all about faith. That's a faith step. That's an individual family taking a huge step of faith. Matt and Iris and their little baby girl, how are we going to provide for this? How are we going to live? Uh, you know, how are we going to raise the money for this? That's a big deal. And the same thing as a church, as a body, as a unit. Well, as it just so happens, Joshua chapter 2 is all about faith. The story that Heidi read. And by the way, don't you love it when Heidi reads you a story? It's like story time. Story time with Auntie Heidi, right? Don't tell anybody, but she is a grandmother, right? So, uh, uh, you know, it's just really cool. But the story is exciting. It's a war story. It's action-packed. I mean, this is straight-up Navy SEAL stuff going down, right? So let me set the stage for you. There's between a million to two million people on the east side of the Jordan. The generation that didn't step out in faith, under God's curse, has all died in the wilderness. And now they've come back, and they're looking across at the Promised Land. And God speaks to Joshua and Joshua hears. God speaks to Joshua and Joshua believes. And then this same Joshua who has heard God's word and who believes what God has said, he sends spies to spy out the land. And it's an act of faith. These spies go into the land. And that's an act of faith. This is a life or death mission. This is a mission where if they're caught, their lives will be... (laughs) Uh, taken from them, probably after some information is very painfully extracted. And they're commanded to go into the land and and to spy out the land, specifically Jericho. When they get to Jericho, they're quickly found out, but they're not captured because of some quick thinking of an Amorite woman who happens to be a prostitute. And she demonstrates great faith as well and she saves their lives. And she sends the king's men on a wild goose chase. She makes a deal. Your lives for mine. And because of it, she's saved. And everyone in her household, that's a little bit of a spoiler alert. But what we see with Joshua, with the spies, and specifically and most excitingly and profoundly with Rahab, is we see their faith. Now, Here's the big idea for today's message. Faith, although we treat it as a noun, is a lot more active than that. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not this little fuzzy, well, this is what I believe. Faith is a verb. Faith is a verb. You're not with me yet. Faith is always active. Faith is always on the move. Wherever you see faith spoken about or talked about in this book, faith is a verb. Faith is on the move. Faith is alive. Faith is not passive. Faith is moving. Now, I know you say, well, can't faith be a noun? Yeah, that's what we've turned it into. You know, it's a little box that I check. Well, I'm of the Christian faith, or I'm of the Muslim faith, or I'm of the Jewish faith. Even the box that says, I have no faith, that's a faith. You have a faith in that there's nothing. Good luck with that, (laughs) right? Everyone's got faith in something, and you act upon it. Faith is a verb. Faith is a verb. Faith's on the move. This is why this message is so important. For many of us, faith is not a verb, and we risk our eternal souls on it not being a verb. Don't make that mistake. And at best, we live kind of half-lives, little flicker of life, when God promises something bigger. So how is faith a verb in this story? Well, first of all, we see Joshua exercise great faith. Now you might say, and I've even heard some sermons or even read some commentaries, why did Joshua feel the need to spy out the land? As if somehow that wasn't faith. No, it's absolutely faith. He's a good leader, he's a military man, he's a commander, he's responsible for all of these people, men, women, children, livestock, all of their possessions, and God has told him and he has heard. He believes in his heart, and now, in active faith, he's going to prepare. Preparation is faith. It can be great faith. If it doesn't go well, he's going to look silly, but he chooses two of his best men, and he says, I would need you to go into the land. Now, why would that be important? Did I mention there was between a million and two million people? Friends, that's more than one KOA can handle. Okay? we got to find out where we're going to camp out. Where are the routes? Where's the water? Where are we going? Is that too steep? We've got little ones. How are we going to divide? Are we going to be all in one place or a couple different places? How do we support one another? And so he tells the spies, you know, it's been a long time since I've been in that land. I need you to go in there and I need you to especially look up that stronghold Jericho. What's Jericho? It's a walled city. It's a fortress. It commanded the crossings of the Jordan right there. Anyone coming into the promised land, you're going to have to deal with Jericho. Jericho was full of the Amorite people. They worshipped idols and false gods. It was a wicked, wicked, wicked city. We'll get more about or more into that in the next couple of weeks. But the Amorite people is not just the, you know, the first stop on the other side of the bridge going into the UP. All right? It is a fortress full of wickedness that they're going to have to deal with. And so Joshua exercises faith. His faith is a verb faith by actively preparing for what God has promised. It's active preparation. I'm going to tell you right now, it's what we're doing in Manistee right now. Well, you haven't even had a service there. You don't have any idea the unbelievable active preparation by faith that has been going on. Pastor Dan and 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 volunteers every day, every night. You spend need to spend more time with your wife. Okay, right there. Okay, don't don't make me come down there. Okay, all right. Workaholism it'll put you in the loony bin. Right, but spending every available hour renovating, preparing. It's a big giant building. And the people that have given, that's active preparation. The people that are serving, the people that are talking about it, it's active preparation. The band that goes down there to stir up stuff, hey, come and worship together with, what is that active preparation? What we believe by faith, God has already promised because he's told us to do it. Now, we don't know what's going to happen. And by the way, make no mistake, Joshua hadn't read Joshua chapter 2. We always do that with the Bible, right? We're like, well, of course, you know, these are going to march around seven times and give a mighty shout, walls come down, kill everybody. That's how it happens. Joshua didn't know that yet. God hadn't given him all those details yet. God just said, get ready to cross over into a land I'm going to give you. God didn't know, or, or Joshua didn't know how much God was going to be involved in the military affairs, so he was doing his part. God's going to do his part. By faith, I'm going to actively participate because faith is a verb, and I'm going to send some spies. We need to spy out this land. We need to figure out where the KOAs are and how much they charge, all right? Because here we come. This is, I don't even know how we're getting across the river, right? And so by faith, he sends them. By faith, they go. They hear the word of the Lord through Joshua, and they believe this is what we're supposed to do. What, you want us to risk our lives? We're soldiers. This is what we do. We're going to leave our wives. We're going to leave our kids. What's, what's the mission? Okay, we're going to go execute the mission. See, sometimes by faith, God says to prepare, and we're all called to prepare in some way, and sometimes we're called by faith to go. Preparation's important. Going is important. And these two guys, they go and they execute the mission. And they spy out the land and they go into the city of Jericho. And I'm sure they did their best to blend in, right? They're operators, all right? They're spies. Nothing's changed. Thousands of years. But they're quickly found out. Somebody notices some different people coming and going through the city. And by the way, the people of Canaan knew they were out there. News had traveled. You don't hide or, or hide a million to two million people right on the other side of the river and not notice there's a cloud of dust. Okay? So word has spread, and so they're kind of on high alert, and so even though the city gates are open, someone notices strangers. And I'm a Bible geek, so I've been studying this for weeks, for months, and they duck into the house of Rahab her home built right into the city wall. Now, we don't know if it was at a tavern, was that a full-on brothel. But either way, the scripture says that she was a prostitute. And Some people love to do these theological gymnastics to try to explain that away. No, she was a prostitute. She sold her body for money. So she's a woman. She's an Amorite. She's in the sex trade. She's as far from God as you can possibly imagine. I've also seen some people try to explain, well, why would they go in there? Uh I don't believe anything untoward happened there. If if something sinful was happening with those spies seeking her out, God would have told us. He doesn't hide sin. You notice that about the Bible? He doesn't hide people. He doesn't sweep it under the rug like we do. That's why this book's so believable. We get to see our heroes warts and all. Personally, I believe the reason they went there is it was a great source of information and a house like that, a brothel's not a place where embarrassing questions are usually asked. It's a place where you can hide. It's desperate people that go there. Desperate people are selling and desperate people are buying. No woman wants to be a prostitute, really wants to. Life's circumstances and choices find a way of Crashing in on you. And so here you have this woman. Who when the spies come into her home. Almost immediately. The king's guard shows up. Because words traveled fast. Because I don't know. Maybe they look different. It's funny. Kip Potter was telling me that. uh, On Friday night. uh, Before the music thing began in Manistee. Some gruff Manistee person. Walked up to him and said. Looked him up and down. Did the look up and down. said. You work at the tabernacle. And he said, "Yes, I do." And he goes, "You all dress that way." <laughs> and Kit's like, "I wear pants." Uh, you know, <laughs> funny story. So, anyways, turned out to be a nice guy. But apparently, we have a uniform. I didn't know we had a uniform, right? But they look different. And the King's Guard, the SS, the KGB, the secret police—they show up banging on the door where the strangers came into this house. So Joshua sent them by faith. They've gone on this mission by faith. And now Rahab thinks quickly and acts by faith. By faith, she lies through her teeth. Oh, they were here. That's true. But they've already gone. If you hurry, you can catch them. Boom. And without even thinking, without even searching the house, off they go. Now, I've heard some people try to explain that away. Well, she wasn't a Christian yet. Now, you got to understand something. God's law never changes. However, there's a higher law of love that we're always supposed to measure that through. So here's the ethical question. Parents, have fun with this with your kids later. Is it ever okay to lie? I'm going to cause ruckus at your dinner table. Yes. There's a time and a place. Christians in Europe discovered this in World War II. When someone come to the house, are you hiding Jews here? No. And it was a lie. Why would you do that? To save innocents from evil? Absolutely you would. Absolutely you would. We see this in the book of Exodus. And I, I'm not trying to explain this away. I'm just saying go and deal with this. You have to use your thinking caps. Parents, you have to talk to your children. Right? In the book of Exodus, Pharaoh ordered that every Hebrew child that was born, that was a male, be butchered, be thrown into the river to either drown or be eaten by the crocodiles. And the Hebrew midwives refused to obey this command. And when they were brought before Pharaoh, this is in your Bible, he would say, why haven't you obeyed this this rule? And they made something up. They said, "Uh, the Hebrew midwives are very robust, and they give birth before we can show up. Oh, okay. Well, that explains it. Right? And it says God bless them for it. I'm not telling you to lie, but I'm saying what Rahab was doing, it wasn't about lying. She was risking everything. Her faith became a verb in that moment. She hid them. And, and we see it in the speech that she gave to them on that rooftop. She hid them up on the roof under some you know, some crops that are drying out there, and she says, they're gone. Now, here's the deal. Her declaration is important. Here's the no-wasted words. She goes, we have heard about your God, how He parted the Red Sea, how He helped you defeat those other evil kings on that side of the Jordan. I know that your God has given you this land. So she's speaking for herself. She's speaking for all of Jericho. We've heard and we know. That's belief. We believe this is happening. That's why their hearts were melting. We've heard about your God. We've heard about the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. We've heard about the parting of the Red Sea. We've heard about the greatest military nation on the face of the earth being defeated by your gods. We've heard that now you're coming. It's been 40 years. took you a while, but now our hearts are melting she had heard just like Joshua. She believed just like the spies. And now check out what Rahab does. She acts. My life for your life. Here's the deal. I'm going to save you. You're going to save me. And the spies make the deal. Absolutely. And we know the rest of the story. In a couple of weeks, the walls of Jericho are going to come tumbling down. And every living soul is going to be put to the sword, except Rahab. And those who are in her home. It's a beautiful story. I don't know, mom, dad, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, children, whoever she could convince. And the symbol was that red rope by which the spies escaped. And when they get back to Joshua, what do they say? All of the promised land, their hearts are melting. This is a good report. We see Joshua's faith is a verb, the spies' faith is a verb. Rahab's faith is a verb. And it always follows the same track of what Rahab says. We have heard and I know. In fact, is there any more beautiful declaration than what she said? Because your God is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. It's interesting, in a couple weeks, some of us are really going to struggle when we hear the account... Of everyone in Jericho being put to death. And we'll explain to you what an evil city that was. In fact, I was trying to explain it to my son and his buddies sitting in my kitchen table. Um, We're talking about that. The wickedness of the Amorites rose like a stench in the nostrils of God. This was a people that routinely practiced child sacrifice. To the god Molech, whose, whose statue had these giant bronze hands that would be heated up red hot. And living infants would be thrown in. Like sausage on a griddle. We're so quick to judge God and we forget it's our sin, all of our sin, that deserves judgment. Whether you're a prostitute or an idol worshiper or someone who just hears and believes, uh oh, and never acts. Think about it. Joshua by faith sends the spies. By faith, the spies go on what they think is an intelligence mission. What the spies didn't know, what Joshua didn't know, is that a sovereign God was actually sending them on a rescue mission. All of Jericho had heard. Their hearts were melting, so they all knew what was coming. They all believed that this God must be a for real God. But there was only one who acted, and her name was Rahab, and God knew she was going to act, and so he spent or sent those two little operators to go to her house so she could be saved. It was a rescue mission. And that's the beautiful thing. When we exercise faith like that, faith is a verb faith. God has a way of showing up. You know, Rahab, she's mentioned two other times in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 11, she's mentioned in the heroes of faith chapter. She's mentioned again in James chapter 2. And James chapter 2 is all about what real faith is. This is the chapter that says, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Right, So it doesn't say that you have to do a bunch of good things to get God to like you so you'll be saved. That's not what that scripture says when it says faith without works is dead. But it does say this, is that if your faith is real from what you've heard and what you believed, action or verbs will always follow. What kind of verbs? Loving God, loving people, forgiving the way Christ has forgiven you, being generous the way Christ has been generous with us, serving the least of these the way Christ served me the least of these. So works don't save you, but genuine faith is always seen by its works. And we see Joshua's faith, and we see the spies' faith, and we see Rahab's faith. And that kind of faith always has a ripple effect. In James chapter 2, In this famous chapter right at the end in verses 25 and 26, it sums it up by saying, in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? It's interesting, it's interesting, I just noticed this, that James doesn't call them spies, he calls them messengers. On a rescue mission? Verse 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. If you've heard and you really believe, there's going to be verbs. You're going to act. You might be actively preparing. You might be actively going. You might be actively risking. But there will be verbs if it's real. And that's the kind of faith that saves. That's the kind of faith that God uses. That's the kind of faith that activates the promises of God. He may not be calling you to move someplace. He may not be calling you to go on a mission. He may be calling you to actively prepare for whatever's next. Or some of us in this room and listening or watching online, God might be calling for the first time to make your faith real. Because your whole life, your faith has been private. Oh, my faith's private. I know what I believe. I know what I believe. That's the scariest believer there is. Oh, well, I know what I believe, but I believe faith is a private thing. I don't get anybody else's business. Show me anywhere in this book where faith is private. Show me anywhere in this book where faith isn't costly. Show me anywhere in this book where faith is passive, real faith. It always follows that model. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, and hearing by the word of Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's hearing then comes belief. That's also Romans 10. And then James chapter 2 says, faith without works is dead. So there's the progression. You hear, you believe, and then you act. And 9999999 percent of Jericho had heard. And oh, they even believed. But they never acted. And only Rahab and her household were saved. In James chapter 2, if you study it later this afternoon or this week, another interesting verse you'll find in there, where the author, who happened to be Jesus' brother, says, you believe in one God? Good. Even demons believe And shudder. And I've always loved that verse. Because sometimes I'm guilty of, I don't know, a little bit of sarcasm. Right? And it's almost like scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit goes, You're a believer in God? Good for you. Even demons believe. And shudder. We hear. We believe. And then we act because faith is a verb faith is verb and i don't want to ever be accused of being a a demon believer and that's my fear is how many of us have never gone public we've never taken the next step and for some of us it means open our mouths for some of us it's just living life the way we're supposed to live it it's just the next step of obedience and we're not called to compare you may not be called to start your own ministry. But you may be called to, you know, come out to your buddies and go, Yeah, I am a Christian. And I wish you'd be one too. Well, that doesn't even compare. Yeah, it does. Because God's the one calling the shots. The next step of faith might be as simple as taking a stand for Christ. The next step of faith might be as simple As obeying what he's already told you. The next step of faith might be as simple as getting baptized. Because you've been a Christian for 40 years, but you've never gotten around to it. Your next step of faith might be as simple as giving God lordship over all of your life. Or the next step of faith might simply be actively preparing for what's next. You know, you talk to young people sometimes and it's like, I don't know who God has for me or how my life's going to pan out. You're 18. I mean, how many times are you going to change professions? Yeah, but, you know, is there a man for me? Is there a woman for me? What's, where am I going to be in 10 years? You know, I, I always got frustrated when I first became a pastor and people want to know what the five-year plan was. And I, I don't mean to put anybody down. I'm just saying, you know, God's will probably about 90% of it is right in this book. And we spend our time and our energy and our emotion trying to figure out the 10% of God's will for our life that's specific to us. And we never get around to obeying the 90% that he's shown us. We never get around to loving God and loving people or serving or participating in any way, shape, or form. We're all focused on, but who am I going to marry? Bro, how about you get a job first? How about you take responsibility for you and your own bills and move out of my basement? Then we're worried about getting a chick. That should be 101 Dr. Phil. And it's faith is a verb faith. It is. It is. It's practical. It's tactical. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm saying, you want to get married? Be the type of man or woman of God that someone would want to marry. And that's by faith. Faith. And if, and if you can't find anyone that's attracted to that, then don't get married because they're not worth it. What they're fishing for is not what you're selling. And, and we can actively demonstrate faith by preparing for what God has. Becoming the man or woman or student or child that, that God wants us to be. And maybe we're called to go. Maybe we're called to go. Maybe we're called to risk everything like Rahab. But faith is a verb that always requires risk. Let's camp there just for a second. Faith is, always, or faith is a verb that always requires risk. There's always some level of risk. You can't avoid the risk. Our church has taken a big risk. It's a big risk and I love a big risk. Not because I'm an adrenaline junkie. But because we're stepping out to a place where we need God to show up. We need God to show up. It's funny when we're sitting in a board meeting and it's like, well, do we have the money for this? Do we have the people for this? And it's like, nope, 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 and nope. I mean, we kind of just have enough to maybe take a chance, but not enough that, that there's no risk. There's always got to be risk. If there's, if there's no risk, there's no faith. There's always a risk. And, and, and maybe you're not called to start a campus. Maybe your risk is to open your mouth, to speak, to go, to give, to serve, to love, to forgive. I don't know. But there's always risk. Faith requires risk. Joshua took a risk. He could, I mean, by sending the spies, they could have been found out. Their position could have been given away. The spies took a risk. They could have been executed after horribly being tortured. Rahab risked it all. She risked it all. Her life, her family's life. But she repudiated her past. Here's the other part of faith is a verb. Faith promises reward. It always. Faith that's a verb always promises a reward. Joshua and the spies received the reward of hearing a good report that they'd already won psychological operations. All of the land's heart is melting. They're already in fear of us and the God that we follow. That's a good report. That's going to be helpful when it's time to cross the river. Because there's some other things that they do on the other side of the river. If you've been reading ahead, that's going to require some faith too. There's a reward there. And there's a great, great, great reward for Rahab. Part of her reward she didn't even know. Spoiler alert, she's saved and everyone in her household is saved. But there's more reward. Her life of sin is redeemed. She's saved immediately, but she's also saved eternally. You'll get to meet her in heaven. You'll get to meet her. She was saved by faith. Faith is a verb faith. She got married. Scripture says that she became one of the Hebrew people. She married right into the tribe. She left that life of prostitution. New life. New job. Being a mom. And her husband and her, they had a son. You know what his name was? Boaz. Boaz married another outsider whose name was Ruth. Ruth and Boaz, they had a son. His name was Obed. Obed had a son. His name was Jesse. Jesse had a son. His name was David. Ever heard of him? Greatest king Israel ever saw. Rahab never saw that domino effect of her life and the domino effect of her faith. She never saw it. She probably never saw... Past her own grandchild, and it wasn't until heaven that she became aware that David's great, 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 great grandson was a man named Jesus. When faith is a verb, and it takes a risk, faith is a verb that always, always is promised a reward. The reward from God, when He's calling us to faith as a verb kind of faith, He blesses it. That domino chain goes on and on and on and on. Do you realize that your life and my life was impacted by that moment in a brothel in Jericho? That domino chain reaches all the way to you and to me right here. So what do we do with it? What do we do with it? If you've heard and believed, but you've never practiced faith as a verb, you're in danger. You're in great danger this morning. And my call to you is to actively give your life to Christ and live your faith as a verb. Not in order to get God to love you. He already loves you. But that's the step that makes it real. And Rahab was the only one in Jericho that was ready to make that step. But chances are, God's called you to something. It might be a big thing, it might be a little thing. I don't know what it is, that's between you and God, I can't tell you. And you'll know that you'll know that you'll know that it's God. And when you know that you know that you know that it's God, will your faith take that risk? Will your faith receive that reward? That's the question band's going to come and we're going to sing. And we do this not to create a little poignant moment, but to give you a space. I, I, I want you to bow your heads. If you would, just close your eyes just for a second. Because this is, this is your time with God. Just a moment. So you're not messing with anybody. You're not distracting anybody. We've got football later on and you know all the distractions of a day. I would ask you to pray this prayer in this moment. God, what do you want from me? And listen. I dare you to pray that prayer in a nice kind of way. God, what do you want from me? Now, maybe in moments like these, you don't hear anything. Maybe that's a prayer you need to start praying this week. God, what do you want from me? And while you're praying that prayer, I'm going to ask you this question. Is your faith verb? And if it's not, why? That brings us back to the prayer. God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? Do you need me to prepare? Do you need me to send? Do you need me to go? Do you need me to risk? Do you need me to speak? Do you need me to give? Do you need me to forgive? Do you need to start loving? There's a promise of reward for you. If you're here today and you've heard this word before and you even believe that God is for real, but you've never made that faith real, this morning could be the time where you say, Christ, your life is mine and I'm going to live this faith that I believe. I don't want to be a demon believer. I can't promise you how it turns out, there's great risk. It's not always a happily ever after. Faith of the disciples led them to martyrdom and death and great reward. Sometimes it doesn't turn out the way we want it to. That's the risk. But if it's God and it's Verb kind of faith. There's always a reward. Even when we don't see the domino chain. Rahab lost all her friends. She lost all her neighbors. She lost all her people. But she became part of the bloodline of Jesus the Christ. Jesus, in your name that we pray today. We're going to need your help to be men and women of faith, to be students of faith, to be children who live their faith in elementary school and and in our neighborhoods and with the kids we play with. Lord, we're going to need you, Jesus, to show up because faith is a verb faith is risky, but God, help us to live for the reward that you promise. God, help us to believe in our hearts what we've heard, that your promises prevail, that if we'll follow your way, you're going to show up In a way that only you can. That the story belongs to you. The story that you're writing about our lives. The story that you're writing about our church. So God help us not to worry about our place. But to just take action. However and wherever and whenever you call us. Jesus I pray if there's anyone here. That doesn't know you. Maybe today is the moment. That they would see that they need you the way Rahab needed you, the spies, the way Joshua needed you, the way the tabernacle needs you. We love you, Lord. Help us not to risk for the sake of risk, but to live for the reward of your promise and live our faith as a verb. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.